Welcome back. This is part three of the series of conquering sin once and for all in your life. You do not have to live life stuck under the bondage of sin. Hold on, let me move this item. This thing's messing with me. It's messing up our Instagram. I apologize on YouTube. The lighting's looking not all right. We look good on YouTube, though. Hello on YouTube. You do not have to live as a Christian stuck under the bondage of sin. There's a lot of people. Hey, Drea, good to see you. God bless you. You're doing so great. There's a lot of Christians that think that once you become a Christian, or maybe you were born a Christian, you grew up in the church, that you're supposed to live a life a dirty, rotten sinner 24-7. That some days you're going to have good days and other days you're not going to have good days. That's not the reality. My friend Kinsey that just joined the live stream will tell you that the intention of a Christian should always be to remain steadfast, not to be an emotional roller coaster, not to be an emotional wreck, not one day you're good, one day you're bad. You remain steadfast. The Lord is steadfast and he's your target. You remain steadfast as a mature Christian. And that's what it looks like in your life when you distance yourself from sin forever. But as we've discussed over the past three days, there has to come a time in your life where you draw a line in the sand and you say, I choose this day to turn my back on sin and everything that sin has for me in this life. If you missed yesterday's, I highly encourage you, go watch yesterday's episode on the offspring of sin. DJ, could you move this light? Yeah. I don't like the lighting. Maybe move it behind the camera. Sorry, one second. Is that better? Not really. I can make it like dimmer. Strange. I don't know why the lighting looks so bad, but I'm not a fan of it. Yeah, try dim making it dimmer. Anyway. While we're getting that figured out, if you missed yesterday's episode, go watch yesterday's episode, and I discussed the offspring of sin. The offspring of sin being sickness, disease, poverty, everything wicked and evil that comes in the realm of Satan. Oh, much better. I like that better, DJ. Thank you. And how you have power over it. So let's start part three today. Part three is actually going to be mixed with part four. <laughs> That's right. Drea said it's because his love is shining right on me. I'll take it. That's just the glory, right? Paul said, we now behold the glory of the Lord with unveiled face. So I receive it. I receive it. Hey, we got a ton of people on TikTok watching. We got people on Instagram. We got people on YouTube. I love all my people on YouTube. Why do people keep saying happy birthday? Today's not my birthday. <laughs> no, it's my uncle Brian even just wished me a happy birthday. Brian, my birthday's June 3rd. <laughs> there, someone else was in the comments too saying happy birthday. I don't know if I had like a fake Instagram account from back in the day or something. Today is not my birthday, everybody. But hey, we're, we're going to get along with this episode. This is part three and four mixed together. I was going to do these separately, but now I'm not. This is walking by the Spirit. Walking by the Spirit of God. See, before you're born again, you walk in carnal nature. 
You walk just like everybody else walks, where you wake up and you want to eat food and then you want to go and do your job all day and then you want to take a nap and then you want to go to sleep, wake up and repeat. Basically, all the natural senses and the natural wisdom that comes with carnality. You just mate to have kids and move on. It's just this natural wildebeest type tendency, for lack of better words, that's in the carnal nature. But when you're born again, you become in the world and no longer of the world. I want you to write that down, put it in the comments, and say, I am in this world, but I am not of this world. When you get born again of the Spirit, your soul, remember, you're a three-part being. You, oh, excuse me, you are a spirit, <clears throat> you have a soul, and you live in a body. You are eternally a spirit. When you look in the mirror, you are not looking at you. You are looking at the earth suit that houses you. Paul calls it this earthly tent. So, being an eternal being, when you live by what your natural earth tent requires to survive, you are not living in and of the spirit. You are living in and of the flesh. So when you get born again, beforehand, you did not have power to conquer the natural flesh tendencies that are in your body. But being born again of the spirit and of the water, you then move into a position of spiritual authority over your flesh, over your soul. Your spirit takes dominion by the grace of God and the power of God's spirit in you over your flesh. And that's what we're going to tap into. What it means to walk by the spirit. If there's any episode of my teachings that you've watched so far, I highly encourage you to watch this one till the very end. This is going to answer a lot of questions that you'll have about what it means to walk by the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, and to not gratify the desires of the flesh. Praise the Lord. We're going to start in John chapter 3. I'm going to hit a lot of scripture today. Get the word in you. Would you mind getting me a water, Deej? Thank you. Hey, Ash in Arizona, good to see you. Got all the OGs on tonight. Thank you very much. John chapter 3, verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Write that down. Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. What does Paul say the kingdom of God is? I believe in the book of Romans, chapter 15. It is righteousness, it is peace, and it is joy in the Holy Ghost. In order for you to live in, experience, and dwell slash abide in righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, you must be born again. Jesus told Nicodemus, if you are not born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. That's why Paul writes that the things of God are foolishness to people that are perishing. Before I was born again, being a Christian was a, was a foolish thing to me. I couldn't understand it. I didn't understand why reading the Bible was important. I didn't understand why anyone would go to church on Sunday. I didn't understand why they would sing worship songs. It seems like foolishness to the carnal mind. 
But when you're born again of the Spirit, you realize that you're put on a totally different plane than everybody else. You're taken out of this world in your spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? How can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. You have to write that down and remember that. What does James say in James chapter 1? Because this is a whole series on covering sin. He says sin is first thought of. It's conceived in the mind. Well, let's just go there. We'll read the whole thing for you. Go to James chapter 1 and we'll get back to John 3. Because I want you to understand how sin works. And why you need to be born of the Spirit in order to conquer it forever in your life. James chapter 1, starting in verse 12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Highlight that. Each person is tempted or lured, enticed by their own desire. When you're born of the Spirit, you desire the things of the Spirit. Suddenly your mind is set on things above and not on things beneath. When you're still born of the flesh, you gratify the desires of the flesh. You have no power, no knowledge, no revelation knowledge of walking by the Spirit. So that's how sin works. Go back to John 3 now. Jesus said, truly, you must be born of water and the Spirit. He cannot enter the kingdom of God if he's not born of the water and of the Spirit. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. I heard it put this way, that there's an old farming parable that this is what Jesus was using when he was talking about being born and led of the Spirit. That when people plant seed for corn, apparently corn is the, I can't remember exactly how it goes, but something along the lines that wind is extremely important for corn to be pollinated. While all other plants are pollinated by bees and other flies that do pollinating, corn must be pollinated by the wind. So when you are born again of the Spirit and led of the Spirit, your spirit is pollinated by the wind of the Spirit. Nobody sees where it comes from. Nobody sees where it goes. That's why Paul said some plant, some sow, and some reap an increase when God brings the increase in their life. The things of the Spirit do not make sense to the carnal mind, which is a good thing. Because when you tap into the things of the Spirit, suddenly you realize that you have God's wisdom. See, there's, I believe, four different kinds of wisdom in the world. There's carnal wisdom, which is natural wisdom. 
The example would be that when a baby is born, you don't have to show them where the nipple is. They know exactly where to get their food. Next, there's educated man's wisdom, where you go to school and you get a man's education. You get a master's degree, a doctorate degree. <clears throat> Third, there's demonic wisdom, which comes from the kingdom of darkness, witchcraft, sorcery, necromancy, etc. And then there's God's wisdom, which is the highest form of wisdom. When you're born again, you are born again into God's wisdom. That's why in the book of James it says, Is anyone needing wisdom? Ask God, for he gives liberally. But remember, the Bible is not written to heathens. It's written to people that are born again of the Spirit. That's why before you're born again, it doesn't make any sense to you. So, that's the basis for being led by the Spirit. You can't be led by something you don't have and that you don't live in. So you must be born again. And the reason I bring this up is because I run into Christians, <laughs> Christians, all the time that were raised in church. And they've never had a hunger for God. They've never had a desire to build His kingdom. They've never wanted more. They've never stepped away from sin in their life. And they don't realize they're not born again. They don't know that they're not even born again. So that's step number one. In order to be led by the Spirit of God, you must be born of the Spirit of God. You're not born again just by being born into the church. You're not born again when you're dedicated as a baby. You're not born again when you're baptized as a baby. As much as people want to believe that, it's just not the reality. There has to come a time where you are born again. Praise the Lord. And in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, the Bible says that when you're born again, all old things have passed away, and all things become new. When you are born of the Spirit, you can write this down. Everything is new. You don't get to take what was in your old life into your new life. <laughs> Ian's in the comments. He said, this man is part of the lizard people. <laughs> <laughs> There's lizard people in Africa. There are lizard people in Africa. <clears throat> oh, people are people are talking to him in the comments. <laughs> so you must be born of the spirit. And when you're born of the spirit, then all old things from your life are laid down. Mm. Otherwise, you carry a dead man into your new relationship with the Lord. Imagine walking around every day with a dead man on your back. One, he's going to smell after a couple days. Dead weight is not like living weight. It's very heavy. It will weigh you down. You have to lay down the old man in baptism. Like it says in Colossians 3, I believe. When you die with Christ and you're born again, you lay down the old life and all things become new. Holy Spirit wrote the Bible. He's very specific with words. He doesn't misplace anything. He doesn't exaggerate anything. When he says something, he means it. Everything is new. When you're born again, if everything out of your eyes isn't new to you, then something is wrong. When you're born again, the way you see colors, the way you hear sounds, the way you talk to people, the way you look at God, the way you read the Bible, everything becomes new. All of it. 
And I'm so thankful for it. In Ezekiel chapter 36, I won't read it to you, but you can go read it yourself. God prophesies it through the prophet Ezekiel. Hundreds of years, thousands now, thousands of years ago. He says, in that day, I will take out their heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh. My spirit I will put within them, says the Lord. And I will write my statutes on their heart, and they will not forget them. It's a beautiful chapter about God explaining the born-again process. And that's what happens when you're born again, your spirit comes to life in Christ. And it's no longer Talon who lives. It's no longer Ian who lives. It's no longer you who live, but Christ who lives through you. Just a yielded vessel. So step one of walking life by the Spirit and free from sin, being born again. Number two, you can write this down. You are transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Go to Colossians chapter 1. Identity. We've talked about faith a lot on this channel. Faith comes by hearing, but faith is believing and speaking. So we know how faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, but faith in action is believing plus speaking. That is faith in action. Putting God's word on the tip of your tongue and letting it do its thing. That is faith. And the Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith. But you can draw near to God, and He will be a rewarder of those that diligently seek Him by faith. So, identity is crucial because it takes faith to believe what Jesus did 2,000 years ago on the cross, eliminated your sins as far from the east as from the west, and gave you full dominion, full power over the power of the enemy. To no longer be tempted beyond your means, like we read yesterday in 1 Corinthians 10. <clears throat> that God will no longer let anybody be tempted beyond what they can handle. And he will always provide a way out of it. That one verse is proof that you can live a life without sin. But again, that's for the believer, for the born again Christian. Praise the Lord. He's got his eye on you. So your identity now is this, out of Colossians 1, verse 13. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So if you were transferred somewhere, then you are no longer where you were. That is deep revelation. That's right. But most people have no idea that that's like a real thing. They read it and they're like, oh yeah, it's... It's, it makes a good story. No. It doesn't make a good story. It makes a good reality. Because you can live life kicking the devil in the teeth every single one of the days that you walk this planet. The 70 plus years that you have in this life can be a load of fun when you grab a hold of this reality. You've been transferred out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of his beloved son. Tell me this. In Jesus' kingdom, is there sin? No. Is there sickness? No. Is there poverty? No. Is there death? Nope. Not even a little bit. 
That is your reality, but it takes hearing it, believing it, speaking it, and walking in it for it to come to pass in your life. Praise the Lord. Amen. You've been transferred into the kingdom of God's beloved son. Now hop over two chapters. What does it look like to be transferred into this kingdom? It takes action. I want you to write that down and believe that. It takes action. Everything in God's word requires action. Remember what God told Joshua. He said, obey this book of instruction. That's instructions to do whatever it is that God's calling you to do. Obey this book of instruction. Do not depart from it to the left or to the right. Abide in it. Meditate on it. And you will have good success in all that you do. It always takes action. But the difference between the Christian and the heathen is our actions are blessed by God. We live in overflow. God's hand is on our actions. Whereas the heathen has curse upon their actions. Where they can work and work and strive and strive for money, for relationships, for success in life. But it will always remain empty and come with sorrow. Because with the Christian, it says in Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22, that God maketh a man rich and adds no sorrow. So as a Christian, when we walk by the Spirit and we're plugged in with God, it requires action in our life, but our actions are blessed. Imagine if you lived life every day, you woke up and you knew that no matter what you put your hand to, no matter what you did that day, it was guaranteed to succeed. That is the reality of a Christian. Of course, as long as it's abiding in God's word and it's not some sinful, wicked thing. When you're a Christian, you are guaranteed to have success in everything you put your hand to. That's why God told Abraham and Joshua, everything you put your hand to will prosper. It's a pretty good promise if you ask me. So what does this action look like? Let's read it. Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 1. We're going to read through verse 17 together. Put on the new self. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is. Highlight that. Seated at the right hand of God. Where Christ is, seek those things. Where is he? Seated at the right hand of God with all authority, all power, all honor, and all glory. He owns the cattle on a thousand hill. All the silver and all the gold are his. You seek those things. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Highlight that. That is action. You are responsible for putting to death what is earthly in you. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. And then it lists what's earthly. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you too once walked when you were living in them. 
but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge, that's revelation knowledge, after the image of its creator. You are renewed daily by revelation knowledge into the image of your creator. Here, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and, if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. I want you to highlight that, underline it, make a billboard out of it, put it in your room. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. What is inside of you when you get squeezed by the pressures of life? When the devil squeezes your life, which when you know your authority and your identity in Christ, he can't squeeze you anymore. But when the pressures of life come, what comes out of your mouth? What are you believing in your heart? Remember, the Bible says, as a man believes in his heart, so is he. And out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what's in your heart determines who you believe you are and who you are determined to become when it leaves your mouth. So your heart contains your present and your future. Your mouth is the funnel. Your mouth is what determines how you leave from where you're at into where you're going. So what's in your heart when you get when you get pressurized in this life? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Some of you take that hymns part a little too seriously. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. This is all action-based. Putting on the new self. Laying to death the old self. Remember what it said. It's your responsibility to put to death the earthly things that are in you. The little bit of dust that remains in your life is to be put to death by you and you alone. God will give you the grace by His Spirit, but you are responsible for putting to death those desires in your life. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. How are we doing on time? 30 minutes? Oh, we're cruising along. Praise the Lord. Romans chapter 8. Step one, you got to be born again. If you don't know that you know that you know that you're born again, then you're not born again. I'll make that easy for you. Number two, being transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Seeing yourself, believing, and walking out what it is that God's word says about you. Romans 8 verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation... For those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life 
has set you free in Christ from the law of sin and death. Highlight that. The law of the spirit of life, this is deep, has put to death, totally separated you from the law of sin and death. Sin and death no longer have any reign over your mortal body. Which means everything they come with also have nothing to do with your life. Sickness, disease, poverty, death, all of it. Wiped away in an instant. Verse 3. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do, by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh, in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Check this out. Don't forget this part. Who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So all of these things are great, they're dandy, they sound awesome, but they are only reserved for those who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. So how do you know whether or not you're living a life by the Spirit or by the flesh? What is your mind consumed with? I once heard a man of God say, what you think about the most in your day is your God. You think about the word, you think about Jesus, you think about Jehovah, or are you thinking about money, thinking about where your next paycheck's coming from, thinking about what your next test is going to be, you thinking about a wife, what are you thinking about one day? What you think about the most in your life is your God. Verse 6, For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law, indeed it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Remember, flesh and faith do not correlate that's why it's impossible to please god without faith and it just said there that those who live in the flesh it is impossible for them to please god impossible and faith doesn't make sense to the flesh you however are not in the flesh but in the spirit if in fact the spirit of god dwells in you anyone who does not have the spirit of christ does not belong to him but if christ is in you although the body is dead because of sin the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit that dwells in you. So it says, through sin, your mortal body is put to death. But when you're born again, the Spirit of life in you gives life to your mortal body to push out all sin. Praise the Lord. I want to speak that today is your day, that going forward from right now in this moment, you will no longer gratify the desires of the flesh. Those things that have held you down, the ropes that have held you in bondage, they burn off of your life now in Jesus' name. And you walk in freedom. The yoke is destroyed off of your life forever, forever.
All right. Now, let's get into the deep stuff. So, I'll, I could do an eight-part teaching just on this alone. But the anointing and the Spirit are the same. I want you to write that down. The anointing is the Spirit. And the Spirit is the anointing. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. That's what Jesus said. I've been anointed to preach the gospel. He was anointed with the Holy Ghost. You are anointed to preach the gospel by the Holy Spirit. So when the Bible says to walk life in the Spirit, it means to walk a life in the anointing. I want you to write that down. And if you've never been in a service, you've never been in an area where you've experienced the anointing, you need to leave your church and go find a church where the anointing is flowing. You need to go to a place where the Spirit of God is on the move. Walking in the Spirit is walking in the anointing. And walking in the anointing is walking in the Spirit. There's an old man of God named Smith Wigglesworth. And Smith Wigglesworth would wake up every day and spend time with the Lord. But he would never continue his day until he had prayed in the Spirit, prayed in tongues, long enough to where he felt the anointing, the Spirit of God, come upon his body. Then he would go about his day. And he said, I believe this was a quote from him, if you live life like that every day, you are guaranteed to not live in sin. Because that's what the Bible says. When you walk according to the Spirit, according to the anointing, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. That's your reality. Hey, Tiffany, good to see you. So cool getting to meet you this past week. So you pray until you feel the Spirit come upon you. Now let me point this out to you. You can write down these scriptures. John chapter 14, John chapter 20, and Acts chapter 1 and 2. You see the three progressions of living a life by and in the Spirit of God. The three progressions of spirituality and communion with Holy Spirit are these. In John chapter 14, Jesus said, You know the Holy Spirit, for He is with you, but soon He will be in you. So the first progression of relationship with Holy Spirit, with the anointing, is Him around you. For example, before I was born again, I used to go to church services and chapel services. I went to a Christian college, and I could feel the presence of Holy Spirit in the building, but I did not have Holy Spirit. And it would bring me to tears. Because I would feel the precious presence of God, but I didn't have Him. I didn't get to feel it everywhere I went. The only place I could feel it was in the presence of people worshiping God. So the first progression is Holy Spirit around you. Next, when you're born again, you see in John chapter 20, Holy Spirit inside of you. Jesus dies, He resurrects, He walks through the wall, and He breathes on the disciples. And He says, receive the Holy Ghost. And they receive the infilling of the Spirit, and they are born again. From that day, they are empowered to live sanctified lives. So Holy Spirit around you to draw you to Jesus. Holy Spirit in you to make you look like Jesus. 
And then you see in Acts chapter 1 and 2, Holy Spirit upon you. Jesus said, you should go and wait in the upper room. For when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be endued with power. So he says, around you, inside of you, and upon you. And then that power enables you to do the works of Jesus. Draws you to Jesus first, makes you look like Jesus second, and then Holy Spirit upon you empowers you to do the works of Jesus. That's the basic three-step plan of a Christian life from a bird's eye view. Those are the three progressions of the Spirit. Now there's many other little things that you'll encounter on your journey, as you should. Because it's a lifelong journey. Jesus said he will never leave you. You get relationship with Holy Spirit forever. Praise God. He's your best friend. He'll keep you out of sin. He'll empower you to walk around glory to glory with unveiled face. And then he'll empower you by his spirit to go and do the works of the ministry. Praise the Lord. So those are the three keys to living a life in the spirit. And when you have revelation knowledge of those, you will live a life free from sin. You won't gratify the desires of the flesh. You won't have your mind set on the things of the earth, but instead your mind will be set on things above. And that's your answer in life. Praise the Lord. So number one, we covered being born again. If you're not born again, you need to give your life to Jesus, and I'm going to give you that opportunity in a second. Number two, you need to be transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Which is understanding, having revelation knowledge that when you're born again, that's what Jesus does with you. And then number three, you must be empowered by the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And I'll pray for that for you as well. If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit and spoken in other tongues, you need that power. I'm telling you right now. My life changed forever. When I got baptized in water and gave my life to Jesus, I began walking out of a life of sin. And I was going through the sanctification process. But the moment the Holy Spirit came upon me and I bellowed out in a heavenly language, my entire life shifted. I went from being on the fence Christianity to all in Christianity, literally overnight. Lit me on fire. John the Baptist said in Matthew chapter 3, I baptize you with water for repentance, but there's one who comes after me whose shoes I am not worthy to untie. He will baptize you in the Holy Ghost and fire. You need that fire, especially with the times that we're living in now. So if you're watching this and you've never been born again, I want to pray for you to receive Jesus Christ. And as you pray with me, you can believe God at his word. It says in Romans chapter 10, anyone that believes in their heart and confesses with their mouth that Jesus is Lord, that he rose from the dead, will be saved. Verse 13, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Anybody. And then in Acts chapter 2, it says, Those that are baptized and give their life to Jesus shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to pray that you receive Jesus Christ and you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit right now. You receive it by faith. Whether you're watching this live or maybe you're watching this after it's already been posted, there's no time in the Spirit. This is all happening live in the Spirit right now for you. I want you to pray with me first. If you've never given your life to Jesus before, 
and you know that right now is your time. You feel it in your heart. You know it's time to come back to the Lord. Or maybe you gave your life to Jesus when you were younger, but you know you haven't been living right, and you know you need to get right with God right now. I want you to pray with me. Close both eyes and lift both hands as we pray together. Repeat these words with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I believe your word. And your word says, Anyone who calls on the name of Jesus shall be saved. Today I believe in my heart. Jesus is your son. He came in the flesh. He died for me. I confess with my mouth. He rose again from the dead. And he is alive. Jesus is my Lord. And my Savior. Today my old life is left behind. All things become new. I receive your gift of salvation. I am born again. Never going back. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. If you just said that prayer with me, it says in Acts chapter 10, even as Peter was preaching to Cornelius' home, as the word was getting into them, they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit and spoken in other tongues, and you would like that now, I want you to pray with me. Close both eyes, lift both hands. I'm going to pray for you. As I pray for you, the power of Holy Spirit is going to hit you, and you're going to feel a fire in your belly. And it's going to come up and out of your mouth in a heavenly language. In Jesus' name, receive the Holy Ghost now. I feel it now. People are getting touched. Getting touched in Jesus' name. Romosike, up and out of your belly, rivers of living water to bubble forth. There it is. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. People just got baptized in the Holy Spirit. I could feel it. <laughs> what a great feeling. Congratulations. You've received the Holy Spirit. Praise God. Well, I pray you got some value from this today. I'm sure you did. This is a deep teaching on the baptism of the Holy Spirit and walking life in the Spirit. Right now, we're going to take an offering for the ministry. I know people have been tremendously blessed by what it is that we do here. I've been getting messages, DMs, text messages. I had somebody just text me today saying that she wants to be a monthly partner at $150 a month with the ministry and then going to increase tremendously uh, very soon. So people are being extremely touched by what it is that we're doing here at Revival Way. As you know, I reached 150 million people last year through social media and in-person evangelism. And this coming year, we're aiming for 200 million people. And you can help me with that mission. Also, we're currently feeding 25 kids every day in the country of Nicaragua. We started at 5, bumped it up to 10, 15, 20, and this month we just started feeding 25 kids every single day. And we're only going to go higher and higher and higher. Praise the Lord. He's a God of increase. So if you've been touched 
and you would like to sow into the ministry, you're going to see on your screen right now on YouTube the different ways that you can give to the ministry. You can go to my website, RevivalWay.com, and click Partner Today. Or you can use Venmo, Cash App, and PayPal. All of them are at Revival Way. Venmo is at Revival Way. Cash App is dollar sign Revival Way. If you're on Instagram, you can see it right now. PayPal is also at Revival Way. And I'll let people take a moment to ask the Lord what he would have you give. Now, if you're listening to this on podcast, or maybe you're watching this on YouTube, you're watching this after it's already been posted. Like I said, this is real life in the spirit for you right now. As your faith is built to give, it doesn't matter if this is live or if you're watching this after it's been posted. Your giving matters. You know, there was a time I was listening to a podcast of a great man of God. And as I was listening to this podcast, he had, it, was a, it was a year old podcast. My faith was so stirred that I gave to the ministry and I put a demand on it. I wanted to know or I wanted access to this man of God. I wanted access to his life and what was on his life. I wanted him to know me and me to know him. And so I sowed a seed and I believed God for it to open a door for access to this man's life. Not even kidding, 10 minutes after I sowed that seed, I got an email from his office asking if I would do a Zoom call with them. So put a demand on your seed. What are you believing God for? Are you believing God for access to people? Are you believing God for increase in your finances, promotion? What are you believing God for right now? And put a demand on that seed and believe God at his word. Listen to what he says in Malachi 3, verse 8, verse 10. Bring the full tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there is no more need, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil and your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. God says, don't rob me. Bring your tithes and bring your offerings. And when you do, I'll open the windows of heaven for you. So as you sow into the ministry right now, believe God and thank him. Say, thank you, Lord, that this seed carries a blessing that the windows of heaven are opening on my life that it comes back to me pressed down shaken together and running over get your faith stirred up and then sow in faith and enjoy and watch how god will multiply your seed finally if you're watching right now and you want to become a monthly partner i want to tell you the deal that we have with monthly partners right now i'm believing god for a hundred monthly partners and if you feel it stirring in you right now then that's one of you. I'm believing God for 100 monthly partners at $100 or more every single month. Now, a lot of people might say, jeepers, $100 a month, it's like a little over $3 a day. A lot of Americans spend more than that on coffee. But I digress. I'm not here to defend why I'm believing it. I'm just here to remind you. So I'm believing God for 100 people at $100 a month to help with this mission, to press forward, to keep reaching people. I'm believing God for a studio I'm believing God to take care of a whole team, to bring on a full media team, to bring on different people in different areas of the ministry to really take this thing to the next level. And he's going to do it. So if you feel it in your heart right now that you're one of those 100, then this is what I want you to know. Go to my website, RevivalWay.com. Click Partner Now. Become a monthly partner. And if you do, my team is going to reach out to you. And we are going to get you this book that changed my life. We've already sent it to a ton of people that are loving it. 
It's the seven laws that you must honor to have uncommon success in life by Dr. Mike Murdoch. It will change your life. That's right. Someone said heaps. That's right. Heaps. This book changed my life and it will change your life too. So if you become one of those monthly partners at $100 a month or more, some people give 100 some people give 1000 whatever you're feeling, whatever the Lord tells you to give. Then you're going to be added to a private group where we also do private Zoom sessions and you'll get private access to me for Q&A sessions, etc. So I'd have you pray and ask the Lord what he'd have you give. And let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' mighty name, I thank you for every individual that is watching this right now. As they put a demand on their seed, we believe your word that it will come back into their life, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. You said some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and some thirtyfold. Lord, I declare it be done unto them according to their faith in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. Praise the Lord. I love you guys so much. Thank you for your giving. And we'll see you tomorrow night with the final part of this amazing series, How to Conquer Sin. I'm going to cover the importance, the value of holiness in your life. God bless you. I'll see you tomorrow night at 7 p.m.